I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello, and welcome to an episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots, Kaiju 2 is Electric Boogaloo. This is Matt Brown and Stephen Murray, and we are going to be looking at another kaiju film. Stephen, how are you? I'm good, very good. We've just looked at our first kaiju. The last podcast was all about the Mysterians. Lots of good stuff in there. If you haven't haven't listened to it, go check it out. As I was sort of editing the podcast, I thought we should have a look at a modern kaiju film and so I, I ransacked your brain and you suggested that we do... Pacific Rim. A film from 2013, directed by Guillermo del Toro, starring Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba, Rinko Kikuchi, Charlie Day, Robert Kaczynski, Max Martini and Ron Perlman. Stellar cast. Yeah. But before we get into it, yeah, I just wanted to talk about... A little thing that you sent me yesterday, which was a video of a gigantic kaiju actual robot that's just been revealed in Japan. Yeah, it's a life-size robot from the Japanese anime series Gundam from the 1970s, and they've recreated it as a kind of a tourist attraction okay. since tourism was hit in Japan by, the, by COVID. But it looks, having just watched Pacific Rim, it looks very much like the Pacific Rim Jagerbots. But I know, having done a teensy bit of reading around, that Guillermo del Toro was or is a big anime fan as well. So maybe maybe the Pacific Rim bots are based on the Gundam bots. And so maybe it's life imitating art, imitating life. I think it goes back to the 1960s as well with Johnny Soko and his flying robot. Which What's is, that? It was a Japanese anime and became a live action series in the 60s it was massively popular at the time and it transferred over to america and then okay. there's in 1989 there's robot jocks we're gonna do a f- an episode on that and we are gonna laugh all the way through but it, it's a, it's amazing it's 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 pacific rim but it's russia against america with gigantic robots well look in we'll we'll get to all of that it was lovely to see that enormous kaiju real life robot um, and it does lead us nicely to talk about Pacific Rim. Did you first see it at the cinema? I saw it at the IMAX in 3D in Waterloo, and um, I had to have a lie down afterwards. That must have been amazing, actually. I wish I'd seen it in, in that way. It was too much, actually. Was it? Yeah, it was amazing, and it was, like, exhausting, but um, I didn't know where to look. Yeah. Um, so just a little quick plot summary... For anybody who hasn't seen this, and I have to say, I didn't take any notes in this film. Whoa. <laughs> Just freestyling. So the film is made in 2013, but it's set in the future in 2060. Yeah. And a breach at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean has led to an interdimensional portal between our universe and a universe of colossal monsters who are known as the Kaiju, who keep sort of like swimming through the, this breach, causing all, all manner of problems to which yeah. the, the, the human population have created these gigantic robots called Jaegers and they're controlled by two people who have to mind meld before Drift. they... 
before the air before they are able to to control it and that's known as drifting and it's like this mental link that they've got so so each pilot gets to see the other person's memories and it I feels could, i couldn't drift with anybody no <laughs> no way and it feels like it's just completely set up to to provide some kind of human emotional level to what is essentially just robots fighting monsters for almost the entire thing. You should have taken notes because there are aliens in this. There's an alien race that creates the, the uh, kaijus. And they they've they tried doing it during the dinosaur period, but there was too much oxygen in the air. Right. So they've waited out for us to poison our planet. Yes. So there's an environmental element to this. No, look, I mean, you've brought that in early doors. For me, this film, I think, because I was really, com- having just watched Mysterians, I was really comparing and contrasting. And so one of the things I thought is that we spent quite a lot of time in the podcast when we were watching the Mysterians, sort of like nattering about the way that the time really influenced those films. They, they came out of the atomic age. They yeah. came out of the bombings of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And there were lots of little moments in, those, in that film that were a direct result of those uh, things happening. Yeah, like lots Godzilla of, as well. Yeah, they're often create, created but because of radiation, I suppose, the kaijus. Yeah, yeah. They either get thawed out or they are a product of uh, radiation mut- uh, mutation. Yeah, in the in that sort of Godzilla form, and in in the Mysterians, the Mysterian sort of race of aliens have undergone nuclear war in their world, and they have to come to Earth to kind of procreate because of the genetic deformities that that has, that, that has caused. Yeah, on their planet, which again is sort of mirroring what was going on in Japan after in the aftermath of yeah. the the bomb. So kind of like it was very much a product of its time. And one of the messages of that film is is about kind of like uh, global cooperation, because which we get in Pacific Rim. We do, but I I found that the it felt like the focus of the film was less about that and more about individuals than collective. It felt like it was all about individual trauma, because of um, the the lead character who's called Rally. He is a a, a Jaeger driver, <laughs> a Jaegermeister. <laughs> who, who is a co-pilot with his brother at the, right at the beginning of the film when he's a young, a young man, a young pilot, and his brother dies. And because he dies while he was sort of still wearing the mind-melding gear, um, Rally sort of felt all of his a- anxiety and pain and, and fear and all that sort of stuff, and it was this horrible trauma, and it meant that he basically retired from the programme only to be brought back. Uh, and also there was the trauma of the character Mako, who essentially is the love, love interest of Rally as well as being, you know, a kick-ass uh, Jägermeister herself. But her sort of trauma of seeing her parents and her family and her community killed by the kaiju a few years earlier, like, is it like a, it's like a massive plot crab. point in this. Yeah, massive oh, crab. Sorry. <laughs> no, massive crabby plot point. And so it felt like it was much more solipsistic, more f- sort of focused on individuals rather than, yeah, rather than the collective. No, this is something that happens in the 20th century with, with uh, a great deal of movies. We start to be introspective. Mm. Um, and this is something that I've, I actually find quite irritating in TV series as well, because mm. I'm, I'm not interested that much in the characters. And I, I want I want the action and I want the... I want to feel like I'm being taken away. 
If I want, yeah. if I want emotions, I'll, I'll get on a bus. <laughs> just observe. And just observe and chat to people. <laughs> sort of about halfway through the film, they, the film introduces this idea that the kaiju have have tried to attack the earth before during the time of the dinosaurs like you said but that they it wasn't right the time wasn't right um it was too yeah it was too sort of verdant and, and too lush. oxygen rich <laughs> too oxygen rich and so they needed us to basically pollute the planet yeah. in order to to come and so there's this environmental message that i think is just so unbelievably badly tacked onto this and also it- he they call i'm sure i remember Newton, the sort of like the the kaiju nerd in the film, who's basically giving us all of this exposition, doesn't he call them communists? Doesn't he say that the, the kaiju are basically communists because they've got like a hive mind, they're all working together. I mean, in, <laughs> in fact, they're the, yeah, they're the ones who've got like this collective cooperative <laughs> lifestyle. So he's he's basically sort of bringing conservative politics into <laughs> American what, conservative that's politics. What it felt like <laughs> that is what it felt like. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting sort of um, departure from the original sort of kaiju films. I thought anyway, maybe I'm not right about that. No, I think you are. I think that all of these films, everything we've looked at, is generally a product of the time in one way or another. Yeah. So this is a product of the time it was coming out in. And the powers that be deem that we should be interested in the deep emotions of the characters. Yeah. Look at films like Star Wars. It's aunt and uncle get killed and then we just carry on with the film. Princess Leia's planet gets blown up. Yeah. And yeah. then she just carries on. So yeah. there's no, there's no deep introspection. There's no emotion. There's there's none of this. We carry on with the action. Everything goes on. Yeah. So there's it, no it, point at which she sat down, you know, on a bench, out, yeah. outside the Millennium Falcon, having a good old think about every single person that she's ever known, and all of the planet is destroyed. You're she's right, actually. On. And those two sort of mega traumas. For, that Luke and Leia go through, I, I, I'd completely forgotten until you just mentioned them. Yeah, they're just not. They are completely brushed over, aren't they? In a film now, we have to go into the you know the yeah. ins and outs of a fart. Well, although, <laughs> although I thought that the most affecting scenes in this was the scene where Mako it mind melds in the Jaeger, so has to confront her childhood trauma yeah. of her parents and stuff. Show. I thought that was great, a really yeah. good moment. And I, I sort of felt slightly sad that they hadn't started with that bit, that oh. they'd started with Raleigh's sort of story, which I thought, I didn't even know it was him, really, until actually I <laughs> was looking at the, the summary of the plot on Wikipedia. I thought it was so, so sort of like weird. They had a, a, this sort of talk over beginning, which was a sort of like... In 2060, the, the breach was discovered and the, kai, the kaiju first attacked you know it's all of that sort of stuff which i thought we was always, just really we boring always thought aliens would come from outer space but that's didn't. right they came, they came somewhere the closer yeah i thought all of that was just utter utter nonsense <gasps> and i thought it would have been much better to have started with the that the story of mako and and that sort of trauma that she that she went through i think 
you know, who am I to say though? I no, mean, I, I agree. I think I think though I, I've got I've got to admit I have seen the film twice before, so this is my third time, and I did fast forward through a lot of the emotional twaddle. It's very strange that, and I I re- recognise that I am literally the only person in the world who's who sort of like found this film a bit tedious. I think a lot of it is it looks gorgeous. It's very beautiful. Yeah. That scene where Mako comes in with the umbrella and it that the camera pan, pans right in until she's utterly surrounded by the black umbrella is worthy, I think, of a Bernardo Bertolucci shot. The other thing I'd say about the look of the film is that it's so dark. That might just be because I was watching it on my telly and it's really dark and it's really blue and it's quite hard to see some of the kaiju because it's all, all the all the attacks sort of seemingly take place at night. Yeah, and and, and in the water, like that first one with the sort of sharky dude kaiju. Yeah, the sharky kaiju. I, I you could barely see that. But and again, maybe all... in the cinema it would have been. It was obviously like quite a sensory experience. It was, but I can I can remember watching it at the IMAX and thinking it was a bit dark. Yeah. But all the kaijus are based on the um, original kaijus. From yeah, I thought I thought they film. might be because he's. Yeah, a, I mean, he's a, just loves it, doesn't he, old Guillermo? He does. Mm. But there's some irritating characters in it. Really irritating characters. Are we I mean, talking about? So irritating. The, are we talking about the same two characters? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought, they were, I mean, in lots of ways, they're all irritating, I felt. But the, the two Australian characters are quite irritating. Where were the two Australian characters? The father and son. Oh, oh I, was, no, I was going on about the, the sci- two scientists. Oh, the two scientists, yeah. They are really irritating, aren't they? Newton Giesler and Hermann Gottlieb. And one of them is a mathematician, and one of them is just like a... I don't know what he is, just a nerd, isn't he? Just He loves uh, kaiju. He, he is, but he's, he is a scientist. He's a biologist, isn't he? Yeah. Did you, did you manage to get right to the very end? I did, I think. And right to the very end of the um, titles? Oh, maybe not. The film is dedicated to the memory of Monster Masters, Ray Harryhausen and Ishiro Honda, who directed the original Godzilla film. Well, that and is then, very nice. And the very last thing you hear before mm. it's finished is a tiny little roar. Because it's coming back. Because there, there is a sequel, film, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Well, it made a lot of money. It had a budget, according to Wikipedia, 180 to $200 million budget and made $411 million worldwide. Yeah, it was quite a big film at the time. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? In a, I, well, you I, didn't, did you? No, I didn't enjoy it, I don't think. I didn't not enjoy it, but I, there was an awful lot of scoff- scoffing. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's just a lot of scenes that I just it was like, that, there's a scene where they have to like do hand-to-hand combat with staffs. And again, maybe that is a, maybe it's an anime thing or maybe it's a, oh, uh, there's, a, there's a an there's original a fist, kaiju thing, but... There's a fist fight in it as well that irritated me. Yeah. Americans always have to have a fist fight in something. They do, don't they? Always. Yeah, and and so maybe that's maybe that is the problem with it that maybe it is such a beautiful, loving homage to old kaiju films, to Japanese cinema, to anime that that maybe some of the sort of story beats 
are a bit strange if you're not that familiar with those. I mean, the whole storyline is a bit sort of like boring and weird. When Newton mind melds with the kaiju and then they're coming after him and then they they find him and lick him and then... (laughs) Yeah, what happens there? It It just turns around. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand that at all. And again, I'm assuming maybe that is something that is in one of the original kaijus or anime or... But it makes no sense and it takes you off on this little detour that just doesn't go anywhere, which I always find quite annoying. I quite liked Ron Perlman's Little World. I agree. And again, he's a little bit like we've spoken about this before, but the the, uh, book Roadside Picnic, which essentially is a a story about aliens coming to Earth, but not really realising they've been to Earth. And then this whole sort of industry has kind of evolved around the alien tech that they've left behind. And I thought, so I thought it felt a bit like that and it could have been amazing because Ron Perlman in this film basically like harvests all the bits from dead kaijus and sells them all around the world to people. Which is exactly what would happen. It was very believable. Yeah, totally. Have you seen the film Stalker? No. Which is based on Roadside Picnic. It's it's in my top ten and there's only seven in my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What did you think of Idris Elba? It was just a sort of part that could be played by anybody, really, couldn't it? You couldn't think of a, yeah. of a million different people who would. Who just would play basically that role. on their resume, uh, right at the top in in uppercase, just surly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A f- former military man who yeah. is trying to hold things together, sort of thing. I mean, that was the other thing that I thought about when we were chatted on the Mysterians episode about this as well about how the the sort of protagonists in that film were all scientists and we said i think then didn't we that if if it was set now they'd all be in the military and lo and behold they all were and look at the scientists irritating generic crazy mad scientists this all started with um rotwang from uh, metropolis he was the original mad scientist and he also had one artificial hand that was gloved which um, Dr. Strangelove does and also Dr. No has and started this trope with the one-gloved hand mad scientist. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only other people I can think of who only wear one glove are golfers, so maybe well, there's something in it. They're all mad. Mad <laughs> for plaid. They're all mad. <laughs> um, oh, a little aside. Yeah, go on. A quickie. From my point of view, as a, as who teaches this kind of thing, the graphic user interfaces in this, the GUIs, were insane and beautiful. The graphic user interfaces is, is uh, how they uh, react to the machine and also how in the central part they connect with the machine as well. Okay. And everybody overlooks this beautiful graphic design art. And these were created by Junction Box Design, overseen by a guy called Timothy Peel. And I think they're an overlooked part of these films. Fair enough. So what do we think of the robots, the Jaegers? Oh, I think they're up there. So so we like the we like the the Jaegers, we like the Mechas in this. Yes, I like them. Good. From what we could see. Right, okay, we done and dusted. We are done and dusted. So that is our second kaiju. What an exciting few days it's been. Mm. Um with all the kaiju <laughs> but unfortunately, we've got to really, really bring things back down to earth. 
because the next film we look at is, is I'm afraid, going to be the Aztec mummy versus the humanoid robot from 1958, the Mexican film. Uh, the which year we, I was born. But thankfully, you were a much better product of that year than this film. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moments. Yeah. So that is it from us. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate our episodes or share them with friends. Don't forget to check out all the show notes from all of the films that we look at. They're all available or attached to the podcast. So you'll be able to find them. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>